I'll lead you guys through the scripture reading this morning. Please join me in today's uh, reading of John 15, 1 through 11. Just also page 901 in the Pew Bible. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Glad that you all made it here this morning, and it's good to see you. Um, I was looking over my notes the other day, kind of considering this series on formation and this idea that God can shape us, God can form us, God can make us new humans with the fruit of the Spirit, and that's true and that's biblical. And I, I, was, I was just sitting and reflecting and thinking about you all. The thought that kept coming to me as I was kind of sitting with God is the reality that we are all in different seasons of life. Like Ecclesiastes talks about there's a season for this and a season for that. And as I kind of look at all of you sitting there in pews um, behind masks and trying to read kind of your, your face and where you're at today, it's a little harder this way. Um, the reality is you are in a particular season of life, right? You, you may be in a season of life where you can hear this and be like, yeah, I'm ready to like take on a new practice and like grow and this is exciting. You may be in a season of life where you're like, I can barely wake up and get myself where I need to go, or I'm battling depression, or I'm going through some you know, painful loss. Um, and I just kind of want to honor and bring that out. Well, we are each in a different season, and whatever season of life you're in, I just want to remind you that you are loved by your Creator. Um, I want to remind you that there is hope in the God who loves you. I want to remind you that God will walk with you through whatever you are walking through. If you feel shattered and broken down, or if you feel victorious today, God is with you either way. Amen? So would you pray with me, and let's, let's jump in. God, thank you for this church. Um, I thank you for music to worship you and praise you. I'm, I thank you for your humans here. We are trying to work out this life, God, and trying to follow you and trying to do it together. And I ask God that your spirit would speak to us this morning, that your spirit would actually break in and encourage us and challenge us and, and move us. God, that you would work this morning. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Our title this morning is Abiding in God's Love, uh, Spiritual Disciplines. So this morning we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines or practices. The funny thing is, when I hear spiritual disciplines, I get energized. 
It's probably partly due to like things I've studied, maybe partly due to my personality and kind of the way God's wired me. Um, when I talk to other people about spiritual disciplines, some people get excited and some people say, I now feel defensive because I feel like the word discipline, I feel like I'm in school right now and you're giving me a list and I'm in trouble. Like for some people, the word spiritual disciplines has a connotation of like, oh, I feel like the preacher man's going to give me a list of 21 things and I got to do them or God's mad at me and I don't like that feeling. So some of you, you might love this idea, spiritual discipline, some of you might struggle with it. I was actually, I sent in my notes to Stephanie and then I, I talked with a kind of a, a mentor friend of mine about, and we ended up talking about formation and disciplines and she said to me, oh, I never use the word disciplines anymore, spiritual disciplines. And she's like, like a, to me, like a hero of, and I was like, why? She's like, oh, people just can't handle the word. I use spiritual practices or, or rhythm of life or sacred practices or sacred rhythms. And I'm like, I just sent in my notes. Why didn't I send in my notes like two hours later? But what if we call it spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices or, or rhythms of life or, or sacred rhythms or, or habits in life? There's this idea in the scriptures of setting our life to be focused on God, to, to be in God's presence and working that out. And I actually want to intentionally start, before we get to John, with Psalm chapter 16. So if you want to turn to it or follow it on the screen. And I chose this psalm because it speaks of this, this connection to God, being in God's presence. And it also points out that being in God's presence is joyful. There's a joy and a pleasure in being connected to God. So Psalm 16, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. But the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. I'm going to read that again. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. So therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This Psalm paints this picture when we have this devotion to God and this connection, when, when we set God continually before us, that we find the right path. There's a stability, there's a strength, there's a refuge, and even a joy. So I'm going to read verse 8 again. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. This is what spiritual disciplines are about. It's just a way to set God continually before us so that we won't be shaken. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. 
at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. One of the things I enjoy about the scriptures is I feel like I've studied some of these passages for a long time, but every time I go back to study, so I've been studying a lot about all the verses I can find about being formed or being in the, or the fruit of the Spirit or God changing us, God growing us. And the thing that has struck me in kind of this go-around is how many of kind of my go-to passages to talk about formation connect that idea of formation to joy. Like in the Psalms, um, in Paul's writings, in Jesus' teachings, there's this, there is this connection over and over again. There is this life that God has for us and God forming us. And so often in the scriptures, this idea of joy goes side by side with spiritual growth or, or disciplines or discipleship. That God's joy is present inside of us. Isn't that a good thing? Like, amen? Like, can we get it? This is not just a dry, I gotta like gut this out my whole life and... There is this idea we are connected to God, and God says, as you are connected to me, there is a deeper sense of my joy inside of you, and you can make it through those seasons of life that are hard. I'm with you. My joy is with you. I will keep you on the good path. Um, I want to read a definition of spiritual formation by an, an author who I appreciate, and I think it'll help us if we're going to talk about this week after week, to kind of have a, a definition to, so you might be like, what is he talking about again, about this, this thing, formation? Robert Mulholland, in uh, Invitation to a Journey, which is a pretty good intro book about spiritual formation, wrote, spiritual formation is a process of being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. It's a process. The reality is life is a really long journey. Amen? And it winds and there are twists and turns and we learn new things and we go, we have failure and then we learn a new thing. There are moments when God does an absolute miracle inside of us. I believe that. There are moments when we pray and God does a radical shift in someone's life. That, that is reality. There is also a reality of living a long life with God and slowly growing over a really long period of time to be slowly conformed into the image of Christ as we, as we spend time with God, connected to God. And then I like that Mulholland includes in this definition, for the sake of others. Sometimes we can have this, this idea of people who spend a lot of time with God, who do prayer retreats and silent times and devotionals and more prayer retreats, kind of like monks. I love reading about monks. But there's this idea of monks had this, I love their writings, um, because they spent all day praying, right? Like fasting and praying like all, like all the time. It gets really extreme in some of these stories of they had, even in like really early church stuff. Um, and I, I respect it and learn from it. But the idea of separating from other humans just for yourself to be with God is not biblical, right? The Old Testament talks about being blessed to be a blessing, so there's an idea of, yes, we spend these, these lengthy times alone with God as a discipline. And that as God changes us, we then share that love with the rest of the world. Amen? Like, God moves in us, and we then go in the world in the way God has called us, the way God has shaped us, and we have a mission in the world. It's for the sake of other humans, not just ourselves. As we have an inner peace, we can share that peace. We can share that hope with others. 
Let's get into John chapter 15, our, our main text for this morning, which we already read. I want to read it one more time. John chapter 15. I am the true vine. This is Jesus speaking, Jesus teaching. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So I think we have a picture, there it is, of a vine. Now what would be awesome right now is if like an awesome tour bus pulled up and we all got in a tour bus and went to Napa. Does that sound like fun? Like church, field trip, let's go to Napa and kind of be in God's creation and look at the hills and look at the vines. So if you want to like use your imagination and pretend that we get on a bus and go to Napa, and just look at the vines, and look at the beauty of what God has made, and look at this illustration Jesus uses. But Jesus says, he is the vine, and we are the branches that are connected to the vine, and that we can't bear fruit on our own if we're not connected to the vine, right? It's a pretty simple concept, right? So even if you don't like going in vineyards, um, you probably can imagine a tree, or a bush, or some plants in your backyard, um, I have a lemon tree in my backyard, and you'll see, like, we, we play basketball next to it. So, like, when the ball hits certain branch, little branches, they kind of get broken off, and they just wither away because they're not connected anymore to the main part of the tree. But Jesus says, if we do abide in the vine, that we can bear much fruit. He doesn't even say fruit. He says, you, you will bear much fruit if you are connected to the vine. Um, some other translations, instead of saying abide, for me, I, the term abide works, it, it draws me in. If it doesn't draw you in, some other translations say dwell in me. Make your dwelling in me and I in you. Or dwell in me. So these first verses like, just paint this picture. I think it's really a beautiful illustration. If we're connected to Jesus... We can flourish. We can have fruit, a lot of fruit. Like picture, picture a big clump of beautiful grapes, a lot of fruit if we are connected to the vine. And if we are not connected to this source of God's love, the source of God's power, if we are not connected to God, we, we can't bear a whole bunch of fruit. We can't do these good things that we want to do in the world. We can't love our enemies. We can't love our family well if we're not connected to this source of power and goodness and strength and love in God. 
I want to jump to verse 9. There's, there's like a, an extra wrinkle added. It talks about abiding in Christ or abiding in the vine. And then we get down to around verse 9 and it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Not just abide in me, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So there's this idea of like abide in the vine, right? Connected to God's source. And then it says, actually, abide in my love. Dwell in my love. Live in my love. Be connected to my love. Live in it. Dwell in it. Be there in my love. And then in this very sentence talks about dwell in my love, then adds the very next phrase talks about keeping my commandments. You will keep my commandments and abide in my love. I think that's interesting because sometimes we have this idea that, okay, here is the idea of understanding God's grace more. So here's the idea of understanding love, understanding God's grace, abiding in the love, abiding in the grace, okay. And then over here is the idea of obeying the commandments. Like there's a Sermon on the Mount and there's these commandments God gives and this way of life and that's over here. But in this passage of the vine, Jesus says, abide in me, abide in my love, and this is connected to keeping the commandments. They're, they're not separated. They actually are woven together. And these commandments are not burdensome. But this, this really, it's a, I like the word integration. Jesus says, here is, here is integration. You know my love, abide in my love, and as you do that, you're going to keep these commandments. And you're going to stay in my love. As you learn to live this path of life in God, abiding in my love, you will be able to keep these commandments. You'll be able to learn to live the Sermon on the Mount, to learn how to live. There's an integration of abiding in the love of Jesus and following the commandments of Jesus. And then verse 11 looks at joy again. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. So here's the question I have about this. So I, I think, I'm assuming most of you are like, okay, abiding in the vine, that's good, right? I want to abide in the vine. I want to abide in God's love. That sounds good. So and to me, it's like poetic. It's beautiful. Let's abide. So here's my question. What does it actually look like to abide in Christ? Like, how do you do that? How do I do that in real time? And how do we even help each other abide in Christ? Like, how does this flesh out in real life? It's one thing to have, that's a beautiful idea, abiding in Christ. Love it. Like, I'm encouraged, now I'm going to go home, right? It's another thing to say, okay, so what does that actually mean when I wake up tomorrow morning? How do I do that? And that, my friends is kind of how we segue to talk about spiritual disciplines or practices. Spiritual practices are just ways or the means or the rhythm in our day of seeking to turn our minds back to Christ, back to God's love throughout our day so that we are like living on the vine throughout our week, throughout our day. And really throughout history, from the ancient times, what, you know, what we now call the Old Testament, these old stories, up through Jesus and his disciples, to the early church in Acts, and then to church history, human beings have tried different rhythms to keep themselves connected to God, 
different rhythms of prayer, different rhythms of celebrating, different rhythms of Sabbath, different rhythms of worshiping together, and kind of having a rhythm of how my day works, of how my week works, to keep me focused on this God and to abide in God's love. But there have been like schedules and processes and ideas of how do I, how do, I do that in real life? I want to read a quote from a book by Ruth Haley Barton about for, uh, spiritual formation. She wrote, in the end, this is the most helpful thing any of us can say about spiritual transformation. I cannot transform myself. This is just echoes John 15. I cannot transform myself or anyone else for that matter. That's a whole other sermon. I can't transform somebody else either. Wish I could. Do you ever wish you could? I wish I could. Okay, let's move back. What I can do is create the conditions in which spiritual transformation can take place by developing and maintaining a rhythm of spiritual practices that keep me open and available to God. To keep me from getting so distracted that I forget to move my mind and my heart and my soul back to focus on God and the vine that I live in. And I, I want to make this really clear. The idea of formation or spiritual disciplines is not that you just try really hard in the moment that you say, I'm just going to go love my enemy today if I try really hard. No, the idea is, as we abide in the vine, over time, God changes us into somebody who can naturally love our enemies because the Spirit is in us and God's love is inside of us. So throughout this long church history and in the scriptures, there are different ways people said, how do I keep my mind on God? And just one of the ways, I just want to give you one illustration, is fixed hour prayer. So way back in Old Testament times, the Hebrews would have very defined hours of the day um, when, they would, when they would stop what they were doing and actually go and pray. And I'm going to read another little short piece from a church historian about what they call fixed hour prayer. It just means praying at certain hours. Phyllis Tickle wrote, Fixed hour prayer is the oldest form of Christian spiritual discipline and has its roots in the Judaism out of which Christianity came. When the psalmist says... Seven times a day do I praise you. He is referring to fixed hour prayer as it existed in ancient Judaism. We do not know the hours that were appointed in the psalmist's time for those prayers. By the turn of the era, however, the devout had come to punctuate their workday with prayers on a regimen that followed the flow of Roman commercial life. Forum bells began the workday at six in the morning, prime or first hour, sounded mid-morning break at, at nine, I'm going to skip those little words in the middle because I don't want to pronounce them. The noon meal and siesta or break at 12, the recommencing of trade at 3, and the close of business at 6. With the addition of evening prayers and early prayers, the structure of fixed hour prayer was established in a form very close to what Christians still use today. I'd say Christians don't normally use them. I think she's trying to be hopeful that Christians still pray this way. But all that to just give an illustration of like, for a long time, people who tried to follow God have said, what is, like, a plan I can have in my day? And now when you hear this, some of us, again, are like, yeah, that's exciting. Some of us are like, I do not want a bunch of extra rules on my day. That sounds like legalism, and that, that sounds like a bit much, and that sounds like you're stressing me out right now, depending on your personality. The great Dallas Willard, who, who is, like, a, kind of a hero of, of uh, understanding formation, said... Grace is not opposed to effort, it is opposed to earning. Earning is an attitude, effort is an action. So he says, yeah, you cannot earn God's love. That's a bad idea to try. 
That is not the correct attitude. But is there effort needed to follow God? Well, yes. There, there is effort needed. There is effort to, to find the ways to stop being distracted all day and to shift our mind back to Christ. So we have some spiritual disciplines. I'm going to read off a list of some spiritual practices. And I'm sure I missed some. I looked through the scriptures and compiled some. Some have compiled better lists. But here's one list from some scriptures. So prayer, pretty obvious one, right? Scripture meditation, fasting, solitude and silence, service, confession, worship, gathering or, or fellowship with other believers, celebration, Sabbath, generosity. These are things that are woven into the scriptures that are ways, rhythms of life people have had to get back to God, to, to refocus with other people on God. And I'm going to go through really quickly these things, kind of each one, just to give us a little glimpse of what they are and ask us to take a little experiment together, okay? So first prayer, probably the most common one. You're like, yeah, of course, I, sh I should pray. There's a lot of ways we could pray. We could try fixed hour prayer. We could pray the Lord's Prayer that Jesus gave us to teach us how to pray. Um, we can pray alone. We can pray the Psalms. I have a prayer tool called the Prayer of Examine. That, that has changed my life when I practice it. I take a few minutes at the end of the day to look over my day with God, to, to be grateful and to say, God, where in this day was I with you? And where in this day was I not with you? Did I wander off on my own in the middle of this day? And I, I reflect with God and practice being gratitude and then say, okay, God, here's what happened, I think. Can you, can you help me tomorrow? So there's prayer. There's scripture which we can simply read, or we can read with other people, or we can listen to on audio, or on our phone, or on our commute, but to have scripture um, kind of seeping into us, to, to listen to it. Um, I'll tell you, I, I'm going to make a confession. I have not read the scripture with my family much, and so we did a sermon on, on the Mount exercise, and I realized, oh my gosh, I don't do this very often. But it was something beautiful about reading it with my kids and reading it together that I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, like letting this seep into us together. Um, fasting is one that is hard and a lot of us avoid, but it's in the scriptures a lot. Skipping a, eating for a day or even just skipping a meal and instead focusing on prayer and being with God. Solitude and silence that Jesus practiced over and over. Getting away from everything that distracts us. Getting away from noises, putting our phone down, putting our email down getting away from other humans, and just being all alone with God in prayer. There, there's nothing that can kind of take the place of that, being completely alone with our Father and resting in our God's love. Service. There's this rhythm over and over again of, of God calls his people to serve others, to share God's love with others, to reach out to others. And there's a million ways you can do that. There are a million ministries and nonprofits that God might call you to, and God might call you just to simply your neighbor who lives next to you or your coworker. But God has called us to, to get out of our comfort zones and to serve as a rhythm of life. And then confession. Here's one that might just feel Catholic or something to us, but there is this scriptures, James 5:16 says, Confess your sins to one another. So where do you get to be honest? Like, do you have a home group or a friend? Right? Or a partner where you can actually say, here is actually what's going on. I'm going to be honest about my, my shortcomings and my failures. I'm going to let you know about it. Or is that a pastor or a spiritual director? Do you have somewhere to confess? <laughs> Loud honk if you missed that on video. 
Or and then there's worship. We've worshiped this morning. People worship in different ways, creatively, artistically, with others or by yourself. Worship. And then gathering. The scriptures say don't neglect gathering with other people. Don't neglect breaking bread with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Celebration. Man, when you read the Old Testament, God's people knew how to party. Like they celebrated things. They celebrated what God had done in the past. They, they celebrated what God was doing. They would get together and party and celebrate. God did this. We are going to have this rhythm of celebrating the good things that God has done. And then Sabbath. This is such an example of something God has given us in the scriptures. Not to burden us, but because God knows that as humans, we will function better with God if we take one day to rest. And then generosity. All through the scriptures, the idea that God's people give things away. God's people give money away. God's people give stuff away. God's people give their time away to others and, and live with some sense of simplicity, frugality, and of generosity. Now, for some of you, some of these practices seem great, and some of them are like, oh, I, that one, whew. I don't really want to get into that one. That one seems weird or uncomfortable. And I want to point out that because we are all unique human beings made in God's image with different personalities, different temperaments, and different backgrounds, some of these will be like, oh yeah, like I love that one. I, oh yeah, I want to remember to do that one. Some of us might be like, a few of those are really uncomfortable. You know, like, and if you, maybe if you live by yourself, you're like, I do not need extra solitude and silence. <laughs> I actually need more community and celebration. I, I do that a lot because I live, you know, I, I have this kind of life. But maybe you live with a big family or roommates and you're like, yeah, actually, I desperately need solitude and silence. That's what I actually, that's the rhythm I'm missing in my life. Maybe you're introverted and you're like, man, I love these disciplines of going away and taking a hike with God. Love that stuff. But serving or being with a bunch of other people, like some of those, are, that's a stretch and, and that's something I need to kind of push myself into some of those disciplines. Maybe you love singing with people and being together, but some of the other ones are rough. Maybe the idea of taking a prayer retreat for a day or two sounds like the scariest, worst thing of all time. You're like, that's crazy. People take a whole day in silence with God? That's nuts. That scares me. If that scares you, that might mean you should maybe give it a shot of kind of grow that spiritual muscle of being alone with God, of resting in God and letting all the swirling thoughts settle down and sitting in God's presence. We each have a unique growth edge. Amen? Like each of us has a unique way that God's made us and we have unique things that come easy to us and we have unique things that are actually really hard for us. But all of these disciplines are there to help us stay connected to the vine, to the source of power and of life and of joy so that we can be formed and changed into the image of Christ. So I'm going to throw out an experiment for the week. And please don't take this as a burden or that I'm trying to guilt or shame you into something. But I want to invite you into an experiment. As you, as you think about spiritual practices, rhythms, is there something in there that maybe you've neglected Maybe you've never tried, or maybe you're like, oh, I used to do, you know what I mean, this and this with my friends, and I haven't done that for a long time. Can you take a moment, I'm going to have just, just a moment, could you really consider what is a spiritual practice that would really help you be connected to God? 
Maybe something you've been missing in your normal day-to-day life. And is there something tangible that you could try this week? And so I'm going to kind of tell you, because I've done this with groups a lot, if you just say, I'm going to pray more, that's really hard to do, because that's so vague, it's really hard to figure out what that means. But if you say, you know what, I'm going to pray the Psalms at lunchtime every day, that's actually doable, not a burden, and you can actually kind of check if you're, you know what I mean, you can kind of see if you're actually trying that or not. So take a moment, consider what is a spiritual practice that you could try out this week. And you might try something and love it, and you might try something and say, oh, that's just really hard for me. Maybe I should try it. Or you might try something and realize, oh, that's maybe not the best way to pray for me. I tried that way to pray. That's, maybe I should try a different way to pray that's also in the Bible. Maybe I should try the Lord's Prayer, and that would be more helpful for me. But would you, even in this moment, consider trying a spiritual practice this week? And if you have somebody you could try it with, that's going to be a lot more fun, and it's going to be a lot more doable if you have a friend or a partner right, or a family or a home group or a someone, you can say, hey, would you try this with me? I want to try fasting on Thursday. I don't, I don't really do it. Can, you, you know, can we do this together? And Maybe we'll study it together and try it together. So I'm going to invite you into a fun experiment of trying a practice. I probably can't say that in any more ways. So I'm going to invite you into that. Would you take a breath and pause, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us, and we're going we're gonna to close and, and sing and worship some more. Dear God, I thank you that you are the vine. I thank you that there is a vine, God, that we're not on our own. God, we're not stuck out on our own trying to muster up the energy to change ourselves. But God, let us pause and be grateful that we have you. You are present. You are available. You are for us. You are with us. God, help us to to connect to you, to be plugged into you in a sense, to abide in you as we live our days. And I just ask, God, that your spirit would even move as, as people may even consider trying something this week. Would you give us a spirit of joy in that? And God, if someone is even now considering, oh, maybe I could try this or maybe I could try that, would your spirit even speak to people and, and give them an idea, God, give them an idea of how they could connect to you this week? Would you guide us in that, God? Guide us as we just try to be connected to you, to your spirit, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as we move into a time of communion, if you need elements, Stephanie has extra elements in the back. If you don't have them already, you can raise your hand. The scriptures speak of abiding in the vine. The scriptures tell us that God unleashed victory over death and sin on the cross, that Jesus sacrificed himself for us. So would you go ahead and open... Open this. I know it takes us a moment to open the elements. So why don't you go ahead and try to open that. I'm going to read from Mark 14. As they were eating, he took bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup when he had given thanks. He gave it to them and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many. So let's partake together.
Thank you, God.